turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. 5-0 Baby. W-262-CP, Bayonet Point. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Go against the tide of human opinion. And you know what? It's all right to be considered a fool for Christ's sake. In this area, somebody's going to say, you are an absolute fool. They've exploited you. They've taken advantage of you. And you are going to let them? Well, if they do that to you and they call you a fool, then understand that you're suffering for the cause of Christ, number one, and you're in great company. Because I'm sure David's men thought a little bit odd of David. What is wrong with pride? Pride drives us to excellence. It compels us to do our best at whatever we do. But pride was the motive behind Satan's rebellion. Pride keeps us from admitting our need for a savior. And pride fuels our desire for revenge, sometimes leading to feuds that go on for years. There's only one person in the universe who can be proud without sinning. That's God. Love for Him is a far better motive for excellence than pride is. Well, today, Pastor Steve Kreloff is continuing his message on retaliation. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where he has been serving since 1981. Retaliation is what we do to defend our pride. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel 24 and learn from the life of King David what we can do to keep from retaliating when someone hurts us. Here is Pastor Steve. The point is this. The first principle of refusing to retaliate is resist it. Resist the urge. Will you ever be free from that urge? I don't think so. You have to go to heaven to be free of that. You die and you'll be free of that. But resist it. Resist the, the, the uh, flesh on the inside. Resist people on the outside who even Christians who don't know any better or they do know better and they're just disobedient, they're going to tell you, yeah, strike back. Yeah, you've been hurt. Uh, don't do it. Don't do it. Some have been given very poor advice by some well-meaning people who don't understand the Bible. And so resist pressure to retaliate. The second principle about refusing to retaliate when you feel like it is this. Repent from any form of retaliation. You need to turn back to 1 Samuel 24 for this. Repent, which means forsake sin. Turn away from it. Change your mind about it. A change of mind that that involves a turning from it. Repent from any form of retaliation. Notice we left off at verse 4, the second part. After his men said to him, David, it's too good to be true. Saul is, is your man. Kill him. Then David, it said, arose and cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. That, that's why I say he probably was taking a nap. 
Apparently, while Saul was taking this little siesta, David came up behind him and quietly cut off the edge of Saul's robe. That's, that's what it said. But I want you to notice David's response to this, what, what you may think is a little act. Uh, you may think it's nothing. On the surface, it looks harmless. It looks insignificant. Like, who cares? You cut off a little part of his robe. You didn't, you didn't kill the guy. Verse 5 says this, it came about afterwards that David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the edge of Saul's robe. Isn't that odd? Why would David be bothered? He cut off the edge of his robe, like big deal. He could have taken a, a spear and thrust it through the guy. And, and, and Saul wouldn't have even been able to gag. I mean, that would have been it. Well, even though Saul wasn't killed by David, or I should say David didn't kill Saul, he, he still knew that what he did was wrong. You may say, well, what was so wrong about this? Well, this was a personal affront to the royal dignity of the king. This was a personal affront to the royal dignity of the king. It would be like you or me cutting off the tie of the president of the United States because he raised your taxes. You don't like that. Or you don't like he's in favor of abortion, so you're going to cut part of his suit off. You're going to rip a sleeve off because you don't like what he's done. He's made life tough for you, so you're going to get back. You'll pull a button off his shirt. I mean, it's, it's like that. Rebellion against the God-given authority over him was what bothered David. Even though Saul was a horrible king, even though Saul was a carnal man, David was smitten in his heart because he personally rebelled against God's authority. Now, we may look at this and say, big deal. But David knew it was a big deal, and he was genuinely sorry for even the small act of vengeance. That's how sensitive we want to be. Notice verses 6 and 7. You see David's sensitivity. So he said to his men, far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do this thing to my Lord, my authority, my king called him the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. And David persuaded his men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. Saul arose, left the cave, and went on his way. David was smitten in his heart. I'm sure all of his men said, well, if you don't do it, we'll do it. David said, no, you, you won't. He is the Lord's anointed. David was so sensitive to the sin that he confessed it he confessed it not only to God, he confessed it to the men. I have sinned against the Lord's anointed. Now, this gives you some insight as to why God, with all of David's faults, called him a man after his own heart. A man who wanted to obey and had a desire to obey. And when he didn't obey, he confessed it and repented and dealt with it. Imagine, that's kind of humbling in front of, in front of 600 men. You're, you're a macho guy. You killed Goliath. And here you cut off a little piece of his skirt. And, uh, and you feel bad about it, that, that's kind of embarrassing. But David didn't care. David didn't care because he wanted to do what's right. So what does David's reaction to all this say to us? What are some of the lessons here that we can apply? Few. Number one, it says to us that we need to repent of every aspect of the desire to retaliate, even if you've never retaliated in a big way, maybe a little way. Maybe you're passing somebody in the hallway who last week didn't say hi to you. Say, you know what? What a great opportunity. I'm not going to say hi to them. And you know what? Nobody even know about it. But you would and God would. That's wrong. That's wrong. Or somebody uh, uh, said something to you. And you know what? You're going to give them a biting remark. Maybe a year ago they criticized you. And what a great opportunity now. You've sat in on something they've done. And you know what? They blew it. And now it's great opportunity for you to 
to really tell them a thing or two? How about just that poor attitude? How about those thoughts of retaliation that maybe others don't know, but you know in your heart that if given the opportunity, you'd really get back? Or how about just that you've had these mental uh, conversations with people? You ever have that? Someone in your mind, you've won every debate. Well, they're going to say this. I'll tell them. I'll tell them a thing or two. And you know what? Every time I've ever had a mental conversation like that where I've debated somebody in my mind, I always come out on top. I really make them look little and puny and, uh, boy, they won't tangle with me again. And and you've conjured up this whole thing. Uh, You need to repent of that. You need to repent of that. We need to have, as David did, a very tender conscience that's sensitive to God's conviction. Vengeance is wrong. It's wrong no matter what it is. A little bit of his robe, and David was confessing it to his men. So that's the first thing. Repent. You need to repent of every aspect of the desire to retaliate. Secondly, we need to set an example for those who follow us. You know, people are watching you. Your spouse, children, grandchildren. How you respond to the adversities of life, how you respond to the difficult people in life, really has an impact on those around you because they will most likely follow in your example. Especially if you're a leader in the church, if you have any responsibility in the church, or you just claim to be a Christian, what are your children going to think when they see you zinging somebody who, uh, I don't know if it's correct English, say who zang you, but you know what I mean. So you need to model for your spouse and children especially. Uh, David modeled for his men. Not going to do it, and you're not going to do it. It's just wrong. Thirdly, I see this. I see in David a recognition that God had sovereignly, and this is very, very important, God had sovereignly placed Saul over him. Saul was the Lord's anointed. David recognized that. And David, though he was destined to be Israel's next king and greatest king, I might add, didn't take matters into his own hands by killing Saul. He let God deal with Saul in his own way and timing. You see, for Saul, I said before, God had led Saul to that cave but not for David to retaliate. You know what it really was for? For David to be tested. See, God was developing David's character before he would let him sit on the throne. This was a test from God to determine David's submission to God, his his trust in the Lord's timing to be perfect and right. And that's a great lesson for us. I wonder if you've ever thought about this. Why does God allow people in your life who cause you suffering? Wouldn't life be great If they weren't there, well, if they weren't there, there would be somebody in their place. Somebody in their place. Probably a lot worse. Why is it even necessary to have people you're tempted to get even with? Why Why is that? And it's it's the experience of every single person here. No matter what age you are, no matter how spiritually minded you are, all of us have people in our lives that we have been tempted to get even with. I think the reason biblically, in fact, I know the reason biblically is this. It's because God has sovereignly placed irritating people in our lives to develop Christ-like qualities, which you would never develop unless you had these irritants. Qualities of trust in him, qualities of patience, qualities of love. We're going to see more about this next week, about loving an enemy. What do you concretely do about somebody who's like this? David needed to have this, this developed in his life. David needed to have these qualities developed. There may also have been a sense in which David was thinking, you know, someday I'm going to be on the throne. I don't want any of these guys killing me in a cave. 
It may have been that, but I think it went far more than that. And I think this is especially true of why God has people over you who bother you. Some of us are very, very bothered by people who we are supposed to be in submission to. A teacher in school, as I said before, an elder, a husband, a boss. How about this? How about a president? You know, it seems to me that that in, in this administration, I don't want to get into politics here, but I think this needs to be said. Um, most born-again Christians do not care for this president. I would think that would be the case. Maybe, maybe you do, but most do not because of, of his stand against certain things that we would say are uh, in opposition to biblical truths. And you know what? It's really in today to speak very nasty of our president. And I think that's wrong. I think that's wrong. And uh, if there's any passage in Scripture that tells us, at least lives out these truths, that there ought to be respect for the office of the commander-in-chief, it's this one. Saul was, was really, uh, as far as biblical truth, was a loser. And yet David said, I will not do anything to the Lord's anointed. Now, God has put our president over us. And you may not agree with him, and that's all right to not agree, but I think there ought to be respect. First Peter, First Timothy says, honor the king. Honor those in authority. So God puts people in authority over us in order to develop incredible Christ-like qualities. In fact, um, if, if you can listen to this, or if you can turn to it quickly, fine. First Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 18. This is, this is marvelous. Servants, Peter says, and this is all about suffering and how to respond to those over you who really uh, cause you to suffer. Servants, be submissive to your masters, 1 Peter 2.18, with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward God, a man bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin, and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. That is to say, and keep your finger here, if you will, that is to say that, that God puts people over us to develop patience, endurance, steadfastness. It's the quality of Christ-likeness. You say, how, how do you know that? Well, notice verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose. This is part of God's calling in your life. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Now, obviously, we cannot go to the cross and die in a redemptive sense. So Peter doesn't mean that. But in Christ's suffering, there's also an example for us in how to respond to evil people who do things to us that, that, uh, that harm us. Verse 22, here's what Christ did. Who committed no sin, nor is any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, while Jesus was reviled, what did he do? He did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. That is to say, when they cursed the Jesus, he didn't curse them back. And, and cursing in the Bible is damning somebody to hell. Jesus is really the one who could have done that. Nobody else could do that. I mean, it doesn't matter if anybody else does it. They don't have that authority. But Christ did. He could say, you're going to hell. And that would have been it. But he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to the one or to him who judges righteously. You see, that's the Christ-like qualities, patiently enduring it, trusting those who are evil and cause us, or trusting the Lord, rather, with those who are evil towards us, trusting that the Lord will take care of it in his own timing, not taking matters into your own hands. 
Those are Christ-like qualities, patience and trust. And the fact that God is sovereign. Believe your beliefs, folks. God is sovereign. So every time you're tempted to seek revenge in an opportunity, it's just a great opportunity to learn to trust God to work things out. And he will. You know, it may very well have been that the, the thorn in Paul's flesh may not have been an eye problem. It may have. We don't know. But Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians and in 2 Corinthians about defending his apostolic authority. So there must have been an attack upon him. And it may very well be that the thorn in Paul's flesh was an individual or a group of individuals who, uh, who really kept attacking Paul. And God said, Paul, I'm not taking this away from you because it's to teach you humility. You know so much, Paul. I've given you so many revelations. I don't want you to have a puffed head. I want you to be humble. So I'm going to send you some people in your life who will help you to stay humble. Because when you think you're a great apostle, remember these folks. They don't think you're a great apostle. So what should you do with all the knowledge that you've gained this morning? You cannot go out of here and just say, oh, that's interesting. You've got to do something with her. You're going to lose it. Number one, here's what you do. If people around you are putting pressure on you to do a vengeful thing, don't take their advice. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. But his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. In his, in his word, in his law, does he meditate day and night? Meditate on this. Think about this true, these truths about vengeance belongs to God. Don't think about what the person has done to you. You'll be in bondage if you do. And that's where many of us are at. We, we dwell on it. We're consumed with it. Think on the things that are true. Go against the tide of human opinion. And you know what? It's all right to be considered a fool for Christ's sake. In this area, somebody's going to say, you are an absolute fool. They've exploited you. They've taken advantage of you. And you are going to let them? Well, if they do that to you and they call you a fool, then understand that you're suffering for the cause of Christ, number one. And you're in great company. Because I'm sure David's men thought a little bit odd of David. We thought he was really a strong warrior, but cuts off a little piece of a robe and tells us not to do anything. I don't know about this guy. So you're in great company. And, and more than that, you're in the company of the Lord Jesus, who did not retaliate. Secondly, repent of any form of vengeance, desires, attitudes, little nasty comments. We're really good at that. Backhanded compliments. We're experts at that. Silent treatments, avoidance of people, mental debates, conversations, anything that takes the form of you punishing somebody else is to be repented of. You and I are not their judge, not their executioner, not the jury. Confess it as sin because it's your wounded pride. Wounded pride. That's all it is. I'm telling you, I know because I've been there. It's wounded pride. Don't defend yourself or your pride. Let the sovereign God work it out. And the third thing you need to do is come back next week. Because next week, we're going to learn how to properly respond. It is not enough to say, I won't retaliate. There's something very positive. That's the, that's the negative part of it. But there's something very positive that we're called to do. And, and it may really surprise you because it goes completely against what we want to do. But it's God's word. So I hope you'll be back for next week. Let's bow for prayer. As we're quiet before the Lord, I'm going to give you a few moments to just sit quietly.
the rustling of the papers needs to settle down. Bibles need to be put down. It's just you and the Lord. And you need to think and, and get right with him attitudes and things that you do to retaliate, get even. This is the time to get things right with the Lord and to ask him for his grace to do what you've, what you've learned this morning. And so I'm going to give you that time, about a, a minute, minute and a half or so, just to be silent, and then I'll close in prayer. If you don't know the Lord, you need to know that there's really no victory over the sin of retaliation until you come to faith in Christ. If you've never trusted him as the one who died for your sins, the one who can forgive you of all of your sins, this is the day of salvation. And Father, I thank you that this is a message that really hits us where, where we're at. We all can relate to this. We all know what it, what it means to want to get back. We all know what it is to be hurt deeply, to have wounded pride. Our, our egos are enormous. And Lord, this from your word really goes against our grain. But I thank you. I thank you that we're not in this ourselves trying to do this. Yes, there's a discipline, but you work in our lives to give us the strength and the grace to obey every word that comes from you. And so I pray, Father, that you'll help us to uh, resist, each one of us to resist pressure from even loved ones to get back. I pray you'll help us, Lord, to repent of where we have retaliated and to see the big picture that you bring people into our lives to teach us to respond properly, to teach us, Lord, you're about your sovereignty, patience, long-suffering, kindness towards people who are not kind towards us, trusting of you as Jesus entrusted himself to him who judges righteously. Lord, may that be what we do. And I really pray that, that your word will make a difference in the way that we live and carry on our, our lives. And I pray that these dear folks will come back next week and hear the second part so they would, they would put the pieces together and we'd really have a complete picture of what we ought to be doing with those who uh, we maybe feel like retaliating against. And I ask you to draw to yourself those who, uh, Lord, have no victory for retaliation because they have... Christ not in their lives. And I pray that would change even as of today. For I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Not long ago, I read that a photographer who takes great pride in his work was introduced years ago to a very pompous fellow who writes a weekly article for a publication that used one of his photos. The writer told him that he thought the picture was rather interesting and that he must have a good camera. The photographer caught the subtle insult and replied that he had enjoyed the writer's most recent article. He told the gentleman, you must have a good typewriter. We just have to get even, don't we? On the next Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will share with us how we can not only avoid retaliation, but we can have a positive response to those events that tempt us to seek revenge. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He has been serving there for more than 27 years, and his messages come to the radio through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. 
Pastor Steve has some thoughts to share with us now about how and why you might choose to support this program. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff, and it's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you receive on Verse by Verse. We believe that the Word of God has answers for problems. We know that life has stresses, life has pressures. We're looking for answers. We believe that the place to look is the Word of God, and we are uh, grateful every time we hear that someone is listening to the radio, and uh, our program has been transformed by by Scripture because uh, the Word of God is not only inspired, but Paul said it is profitable, and it will transform lives. So we're grateful that uh, we could come into your home, into your car, and and help you deal with life's pressures. If you've been blessed through verse by verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727 727- 441-1714 or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. There is more information about giving on our website. That's versebyverseradio.org. You will also find hundreds of audio files so that you can listen to any of our previous radio classes. That's versebyverseradio.org. Our class today was the conclusion of a three-part message. If you would like to hear the whole message, we have cassettes and CDs available for order. Just call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and phone number and 